jacksonhatson.com. Your Victory 91.5. Good morning. It's Risenstein. Ray Haynes in teaching on Pentecost. And we're we're at a a special moment where if you are going to Israel with us, you will be in this place. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool. I think one of the, the coolest places there is the, this is the Temple Mount. It's just, gosh, they're just, uh, we, we didn't get to go there the first year. And the second year we went, oh, we are going to come back here every time. Well, you, you read the story of the upper room, and I put room in quotes because it's, again, one of those things, translating the Bible, I, I think you, you've got to just have so much respect for those who just works and balance themselves so much in any language, let alone Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. But uh, so they, they gathered in an upper room in Acts chapter 1, verse 13. They describe it as a place they're staying or the small group of leaders, disciples, they meet to make decisions. So that's their upper room. But the room from Acts 1 is not where they're described as gathering in Acts 2. And this has to do with how we sometimes translate into English. The word house in Acts 1 is O-I-K-I-A, okaya, which means house or home or a place dwelling. It's used to describe the place that they were sitting. So there's just a large room in, in, in a place where they gather. So they're, they're there all the time. The word in Acts 2 on the other side is, is from the same base. It's O-I-K, but it's O-N, Oikon, which comes from the word Okas, which is predominantly used to mean the sanctuary or house of God. So it still is a house, so that's why the translation error, but it specifically means the temple courtyard. So there are four courtyards in the temple area. One is for priests, one is for Israelites, one is for women, and one is for Gentiles. That's the four courtyards. That's more than enough room for hundreds to gather and everyone to react to what Mm -hmm. happens. So when the day of Pentecost arrives, as it had for centuries, since the first Pentecost at Mount Sinai, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, these men are sitting together somewhere in the courtyard of the Israelites when this awesome whirring roar like the rushing violent wind of a tornado blasted to the Temple Mount and into the Temple Courtyard of the Israelites, which is filled to capacity with men there for the Temple services uh, of of Shavaros because they stay there all night reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when he came and he poured out the Holy Spirit, it wasn't a random thing in a little room in a house somewhere. Everybody was there. And God was ready not just to bless 12 or 50 or 150, but those Uh 3,000. That was his agenda. He was already ready for that. So the Holy Spirit in voice and fire falls on this group of men, probably sitting off to themselves to avoid persecution from others on Temple Mount. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole courtyard, whole house, whole courtyard where they were sitting. So just a little clarification for... When we go to Israel, a lot of times we'll step, uh, a lot of people say, well, you know, the, they have to remove what the, the, the Muslim dome and all that. That's not true. You'll realize that the temple was right by the eastern gate there, and there's steps right there. So probably in there, somewhere right in there, you'll walk in the very place where at first where the Holy of Holies was, and then not very far from there is where the Holy Spirit came down at, at Pentecost. So mm. ironically, so he actually picked the same spot, didn't have far to go. Okay, and the other question is, he talks about our hearts and compares them to stones sometimes. Long after you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you can fall away deep into sin, but still have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with it. And that's bothered some people because, frankly, there's been some pretty uh, significant sinners who uh, manifested these 
amazing gifts of healing, and I've just heard so many stories through the years. But it's the same reason that God chose to engrave his commands on tablets of stone. There's two kinds of letters. There's letters which are written and letters which are engraved. The difference is that written letters are ultimately separate from what they're written on, right? They're they're not one with the paper or the parchment. You, your pen or your paper or your uh, pencil writes on top of it, the ink, and they adhere to the paper. So in that sense, they're one, but they're separate, right? But when letters are engraved, the letters themselves are from the same medium. You're chunking out pieces of the rock, and that becomes the letter. And so they're the, the letters and the medium are the same thing. So the letters are not something external. They emanate from the stone itself. So in the scripture, it says in Jeremiah, I will put my law within them. I'll write it on their hearts and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. So when God does a work in us, it's literally transformative. He becomes a part of us. So that's sadly the reason you can misuse any gift. You can use them in immaturity. You can use them in sin and submit them to the devil if you want to. But you can walk away from your relationship with the Son of God in disobedience and throw away your relationship now and for eternity. All those things are within our power to do. God doesn't take away our free will just because he saves us or gives us a gift. Romans 8 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't make a different kind of Christian. <laughs> There's only one kind. He fills you and with his presence, empowers you with his presence, equips you with his presence, comforts you with his presence, and on and on and on you go. In Acts chapter 2, we read about the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost. By chapter 4, these same people, you know what they're doing? They're seeking to be refilled mm -hmm. again. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's not a one-time experience, but rather a constant refilling of the Spirit, which they needed to change their world. They continually sought to be empowered, re-empowered to accomplish whatever task God assigned to them. So they kept getting filled and refilled and refilled. And that was the heart of Pentecost. Mm. Not just an event, but uh, a relationship, a new kind of relationship. Imagine standing in all those places. Mm -hmm. Oh, we will. Mm. We and will. you'll never forget it. You'll never read the Bible the same. That mm -hmm. is true. Ever. Yeah. Yep. Cool stuff. Uh, we're going in November, so we would love for you to go with us. Go to victory.radio. All of these segments that Ray is teaching on, they're posted at the Ryzen, I'm sorry, the Risenstein Facebook page, the Victory Facebook page, and also at victory.radio. Sure.